a Google question, right? You look up Google, right? I mean, you find it on, find it on Google, and generally it gives, you, it gives you the answers. There are times, listen, there are times where there's sim- something simple that needs to be done to the car, and I, I don't know how to do it. I'll Google it, and I'm telling you, take it step by step. You go, you go through it. The time, one time, uh, the first time our enclave had battery problems. I mean, I popped that hood and I looked and looked and looked. There was no battery. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not a rocket scientist, but there's got to be a battery somewhere running this vehicle. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So what did I do? I Googled it. And guess what? Google gave me the answer. Some genius put it in the floorboard of the back seat. Great place for a battery, right? Let me tell you something. You really think so if you have to take it out. I mean, you just got to take the car apart to get the battery. But you know how I found it? I went to the source. I went to the person that had the answer. This person happened to be Google, right? I could have probably asked some of you, but then you would have said, well, you don't know where the battery is? So I didn't ask you. I asked Google. Google was kinder and just told me where it was. Go to the source and find your answer. If you're going to have a spiritual question, go to the source. Who has the answer? God has the answer. It's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing to me where we find our answers for things. I mean, we'll, we'll look in books and we'll ask people. Let me tell you something. Do you know how foolish it is to ask somebody as clueless as you are a question? I mean, because let me tell you something. Some people, like myself, if I don't know, I'll tell you kindly, I don't know. Now, I'll try to find the answer for you, but sometimes we just don't know. Some people aren't like that. Some people just make up their own answer. Do you know how that's how things go around? That's how people say, well, you know, the Bible really says this. Where does it say that? Well, I don't know. Henry said. It's not thus saith Henry, is it? It's thus saith the Lord. And that's where our source is. That's where we find our comfort. That's where we find our hope. And that's where we find our help. The first source, the first place we should be going to is the Word of God. You got troubles, you got problems, you got situations that arise. Open up the book. That's why the Bible says that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. How do we do that? We find out what God says. It's through the Scriptures. Number two, not only do we find uh, our first source being the Scriptures, but then we find our second source being the Spirit. When you got saved, do you remember when you got saved? Can 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 I help you with something? There's not a person sitting in here, and there's not a person that's ever been born or ever will be that has always been saved. So when somebody says to you, and you ask them, when did you get saved? Oh, no, I've just always been saved. There's no such person that exists. Why? Because we're born in sin. So we're all sinners. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3. We're all sinners. So for all sinners, then we need to be reconciled to God. That reconciliation doesn't happen when you go to sleep and wake up the next day. It's not how that works. That reconciliation doesn't happen because your spouse got saved, or your children got saved, or your parents got saved, or your good friend got saved. The only way to be reconciled is to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Do you remember that day? you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Now listen to me. Some people say, and some people know. I mean, they know the day. They, they know the month. They know the year. They know what they were wearing. They know what their hairstyle was. Great. I, I'm, you know, some people got great memories. Some of us, we, we know that we got saved. I know where I was. I know about when it was. I know the circumstances that surrounded it. But I couldn't tell you if it was a Monday or not. You know, you don't have to know if it was a Monday or a Tuesday. You just have to know that that's what you did. 
that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you were a child. Maybe you were an adult. Maybe you were a teen. It doesn't matter when it was. It's just a matter of knowing that that's what you did. Well, I can tell you, preacher, I've been going to church. No, 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 I'm not asking you about church. Well, you understand, preacher, I got, I got baptized 16 times. I'm not asking you about being baptized. I've been given as long as I can remember. Let me tell you something. We have a messed up, a skewed idea of what it means to be saved. Salvation's not a works base. Salvation's a faith-based. And we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Let me tell you what happens. Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price, the Scripture says. And so the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a man to do work, and then he would leave the man. New Testament difference is, now the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And one of the things, and I encourage you to go to John chapter 15, John 14 and 15, and read those chapters. You see, Jesus said this, it's good for you, it's expedient for you that I go away. Now imagine with me with the disciples, just for a second, if you were one of the disciples. Jesus had just come. I mean, he just started his ministry, earthly ministry. And boy, they started following him. Matter of fact, they dropped all that they were doing. They dropped all who they, uh, what they were, and they followed Jesus. you got to understand, some of them left their families. Some of them left their livelihood. I mean, they left everything because they believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And they started following Him. And as they were following Jesus, they're not long in the ministry. Remember, Jesus isn't on earth for about three and a half years in his earthly ministry. And so he's in this earthly ministry and he's going through this earthly ministry. And then he comes to a spot, John chapter 15, and says, it's good for you that I go away. Now, now think about the disciples now. Now, we're... We think differently because we have the completed revelation of God. They didn't have the complete revelation of God yet. And so they're sitting here with Jesus... And Jesus says, I'm going to go away, and it's good for you. Time out. What are you talking about it's good for me? How in the world could you know? Listen, some of them were confused. They thought Jesus was setting up his kingdom. Hey, we're going to overflow, are we going to overthrow those that were in authority? And boy, and they were going to set up this kingdom, and they were going to do this earth, the, the earthly ministry, and the, and, the, and the millennium was coming. And They were a little bit confused. Rightly, rightly so. And so... They didn't get it all, and Jesus said, I'm going away. He said, let me tell you why it's good for you that I'm going away. He said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I'm going to send the comforter unto you. I like the fact that Jesus used the word comforter. Well, the Greek version, the word comforter. I mean, I don't think he spoke English. But anyways, the Greek word for comforter, he said, I'm going to send the comforter to you. He is going to indwell you. He is going to live inside you. By the way, he doesn't make us guess who the comforter is. He clearly states in verses later that the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to come and dwell you. He is a source of our comfort. When nobody else is there. When nobody else is around. And by the way, when nobody else cares. Does it feel like that sometimes? Does it feel like, yeah, I always give Elijah a hard time. Listen, listen to me. I give Elijah a hard time because I'm jealous. I mean... Wouldn't you like to call fire down from heaven? You know, so, I mean, we all have our problems. But man, let me tell you, it's like Peter. I give Peter a hard time, but I've never walked on water, right? And so, I mean, we, but, but Elijah, I mean, what, what, a, what, a, what a man of God. What a trust and faith that he had in knowing that God can do the miraculous. But, you know, man, I'm, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through a hard time, and it seems like nobody else is serving the Lord. You ever feel that way? Nobody else in my family is doing such and such. Nobody else in my church is doing such and such. Nobody, nobody else seems to care. I'm the only one. 
Probably from time to time, we've all felt that way. And sometimes you look around and you think, man, I'm going through this. I'm going through this hardship. I'm going through these physical problems. And I'm, all this weight is upon me. And I'm looking around and I ain't got a phone call. I ain't got a text message. I ain't got a letter. Anybody else? Anybody still write letters? Not many. I, but I, but I don't, I, no, nobody's said anything to me. It does amaze me that people go through things and then expect, you know, other people to read their minds and know that they're going through those things. But anyways, sometimes we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Do you know the problem you're going through right now? If you're going through it alone, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. If you're saved, you're not going through it alone. Do you know how I know that God is alive? Scripture, of course, right? But you know how I know he's alive? Because I spoke to him this morning. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I know God is with me every step of the way. And when I can't count on anybody else, I can always count on God. And God said, Jesus said, listen to me, I'm going away, but I'm never going to leave you alone. And if that doesn't bring comfort, and something's broken, folks, we need to make sure that we're resting solely and wholly on the Spirit of God in our life. He is a source of our comforter, comfort because He is the comforter. Our source of comfort comes from the Scripture. Our source of comfort comes from the Spirit. And then our source of comfort comes from saints. God brings people into our lives. Now, I may have felt in my life that nobody cared, but I can honestly say there's always been somebody in my life that's cared. There's somebody that's been there. There's been somebody that's been praying. There's been somebody that's put an arm around my shoulder. There's been someone to say, hey, uh, if you need anything, I'm here. I've had people on the telephone talking to me when, when, our, when um, the incident happened with Kyle. Many of you know that incident. Kyle was a teenager at the time, and he was in a hospital for eight days. It was a very rough time in my life. One of the reasons it was a rough time in my life, it was an accident, obviously, but I was the reason he was in the hospital. And it was tough. Matter of fact, he had to have a tube put in his side. And um, about the time he was about to get out, he woke up with a night terror and he ripped the tube out of his side. He had to go back down to surgery and they had to put a bigger tube in, in his side. Man, it was, it was rough. It was hard. And I got phone calls. And I got people said, listen, I want you to know we're praying. I want you to know. And I, I tell you something. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't leave that hospital. I mean, it was, it was, it was turbulent times. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. You're going to go through turbulent times. But I'm glad when I was, everybody else was sleeping and I was alone that I could talk to God. And I had my mentor. My mentor, Dr. Shoemaker, he's going to be with us, by the way, in August, and we're going to have a Missions Emphasis Sunday, and looking forward to that, um, having him. And, uh, and many of you know him. He's been here on multiple occasions. But uh, Dr. Shoemaker called me and said, look, he said, I need you to get alone by yourself so I can talk to you. I said, yes, sir. And I got alone, and he said, he said you need to straighten your act up. He said, you need to eat. you're going to be no good if you don't eat. He said, you need to get some. I mean, he just very kindly and only like Dr. Shoemaker could raked me over the coals. But you know what it was? It was something I needed. And aren't you glad for people that God puts in your life that you need in your life? And sometimes it's only for a season. It's only for a short time. And maybe that person never comes back in your life again. But at that time, when you look back on it, because how many of us know that hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? We can always see better when we're looking back. And you look back and you see that person, 
in your mind's eye and you think, wow, I'm sure glad God sent that person in my life because I really needed them. Because God uses people to be a help and a blessing. Don't miss it. Do you hear me? Don't miss it. Sometimes we can get feeling so sorry for ourselves that we miss the people that God has placed in our life to be a blessing to, to be a help to, who are being a help and a blessing to us in our lowest moments, in our most difficult times. Look over in the book of John. Gospel according to John, chapter number 11. John chapter 11 in verse number 19, John chapter 11, in verse number 19, And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to what? Comfort them concerning their brother. Remember Lazarus died? They were distraught. Matter of fact, they were distraught on more than one level. They were distraught, obviously, because their brother that they were very close to had passed away. They are also distraught on a spiritual level. Remember they called for Jesus, who they were very, very close to. He stayed in Bethany every time he came through. He stayed at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house, and they were, they were friends. And they called for Jesus, and Jesus was away, and Jesus, she, he lingered four days. Spiritually, they were struggling. And we see that later when they, Jesus finally does come and they go out and meet Jesus. But I would tell you something, they were struggling and praise God, there were many Jews that came to comfort them. You ever read Paul's writings? And Paul calls two kinds of people out. He calls people out that have been a hindrance. He calls people out like, 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 like uh, uh, Alexander the coppersmith. He, he calls people out like Demas who, 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 who left for the world. But then he calls out people that have been a help to him. People like uh, Aquila and Priscilla. People like Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus. He called them out and commended them for being there for him being a comfort to him in his earthly ministry. And so thank God that God has placed people in your life. Sometimes, listen, you're not going to like it. You're not going like, to like me saying this, but I'm telling you it's the facts. Sometimes God put, puts difficult people in your life because you need that difficult person to straighten you out. Sometimes we just don't listen. Don't you wish kids just listened the first time you told them something. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if you were training your kids and you told your son, okay, son, you are in charge of trash. I want you to take out trash from now until you move out of my house. And every time the trash needed to be taken out, he took it out. Wouldn't that be awesome? Anybody ever experienced that? I mean, I don't know of an example. You tell your daughter, hey, listen, I need you to do such and such, and I need you, I only want to tell you one time. No, that ain't the case. I mean, good night. They don't listen as adults, let alone children. And you have to tell them over and over. And you know what we do? We get frustrated. Sometimes we get angry. Why do I have to tell you a hundred times? This is the curfew. One minute past the curfew, you're late. I taught my children, if you are on time, you are late. I taught them that. I mean, from a very young age. Don't be late. Be early. Being early is being on time. Being on time is late. If you're one minute past curfew, listen, consequences are going to be paid. Why? Because you're late. Why do I have to tell you every single time? Can you imagine, God? Aren't you glad God's not like us? How many times... Do I have to tell your hard-headed self? I can't even imagine if God got frustrated, how frustrated God would be with us, his disobedient children. 
Why do I have to tell you time and time and time again to do this? You say you love me, but if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do you remember I said that? Boy, if I was God, we'd all be in trouble. I mean, you know how many people would be in trouble? The same amount of people that if you were God, okay? Go on, because we're not patient. I mean, we get frustrated. I'm glad God has got patience. I'm glad God doesn't get frustrated. I'm glad God doesn't give up on his children. God doesn't, you know, we give up on people, but God doesn't give up on people. I love the song came out years and years and years ago. God loves people more than anything. And boy, God has placed sometimes difficult people in, in your life because you're not learning the lesson on your own. And so sometimes God puts somebody that just pushes you the wrong way. It's that person. I, I, I've done so much marriage counseling in my, in my, in my ministry and we don't know what's going on, preacher. Can we sit down and talk with you? Sure. And I sit down with them. I don't even say anything. I just, just start talking. Just go ahead. And they'll start talking. And I'll sit there and watch them. This one's got a red button, and this one's got a red button. Imaginary one. And you know what they do? Boop, boop, boop. They push each other's buttons. Boop. And finally, I'll wait 30 minutes or so, and then I'll say, I got it all figured out. Got your problem solved. Stop nagging him all the time. Stop berating her all the time. I tell you, you, your your relationship will will be so much better if you guys would stop. You know what her button is, and you continue to push it? Push, 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 push. Sometimes God puts somebody in our lives that, Boy, I tell you something, you want to know something you don't want to pray for? Don't pray for patience. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just warning you. Don't pray for patience. Why? Because God will answer that prayer. And boy, I'll tell you something, that's a tough lesson to learn. And we don't learn humility, and we don't learn patience, and we don't learn forgiveness, and all these things that, that we don't learn. So God's got to send somebody. To stir things up in our lives. I don't like it any better than you do. But learn the lesson. Right? That's the, that's the name of the game. Learn the lesson. God has sent that person in your life. But aren't you glad for the people God sent in your life that, man, they are just a breath of fresh air. Every time you're around, they encourage you. They want to be a blessing to you. They want to be a help to you. I've got a, a best friend. We were in the Navy together. His name is also Joe. And uh, he got saved at a um, Sammy Allen camp meeting. We had a Sammy Allen camp meeting. And you ain't never been to no camp meeting until you've been to one of them. And um, he got saved. And, boy, we just became best of friends. And we, we talk... I do once every two, three years, something like that. But man, when we, we pick up, it's just like we saw each other yesterday. And we talk about our kids that are all grown now, and we talk about this, and we talk about Navy times, and we just kind of, you know what, you know what the Bible says? Iron sharpeneth iron. We just encourage each other. Aren't you glad for people like that? Aren't you glad that God sweeps people into your life? And sometimes you say, I don't know why that person's in my life. And then you go a few years down the road and you look back and go, oh, that's why she was there. That's why he was there. Because let me tell you something. God uses the scripture. Yes, God uses the spirit that lives inside of you. Yes, but God also uses saints, other people to be a blessing. Let me tell you. Twofold on that and we'll be done. Fold number one, God sends people to be a blessing to you. Right? We are hopefully somebody's Elisha. But you know the opposite should be true. Who are you? How is God using you to be an Elijah to that Elisha? Or that Paul to that Timothy and Titus? 
Are you being used to be a, a breath of fresh air? Or are you being used to be the difficult one to get somebody's attention? God will use both people. He'll, he'll use them willingly or unwillingly. And he'll place people in your life. And let me tell you something. I want to be the person who, that, who says, you know, preacher, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, I'm sure glad that you were there. I'm mean, preacher, thank you for those encouraging words. Preacher, thank Not that person that says, boy, I don't, want, I don't want to be around that guy. Man, he's negative all the time. Every time I talk to him, he discourages me. I don't want to be that person. I'm not saying I'm never that person, but I don't want to be that person. It's not my desire to be that person. And if I'm that person, I want to know so I can change, so I can be that breath of fresh air to a person to encourage them and let them know that I'm there for them. Do you know how often I went to hospital visits and I went to uh, to, uh, uh, somebody's house who somebody passed away? And for some reason, people think that the preacher has magic words. The preacher ain't got no magic words. Do you know what I often do? I go and sit. I'm not a talker anyways. People, people are usually blown away when I say that, but I, I, I get all my talking done in the pulpit, and so I'm done for the week, you know, until Wednesday, and then I get the rest of it out, and I'm done. I got Wendy. She talks, and so she talks for both of us, and so I, I'm, I'm fine with not talking. And so often I'll go to the hospital visit. Do you know how I know so many of you and your family so well? Because I sat in the hospital with you. And most people are uncomfortable with silence. They just are. If I stood up here and did this for about five minutes, they'd be fidgeting. They'd be like, um, what's, what's going on? What's... You ever heard somebody say, let's have a moment of silence? You ever seen that at a funeral or you heard that as somebody passed away, let's have a moment of silence? It's like 22 seconds because then it gets uncomfortable and then somebody prays or somebody says something because we don't like to be silent. So you know what people do when they don't like to be silent? Everything. I mean, they. it's like like a confessional. It's going to build a little booth one time. Just tell me everything. I mean, they just say everything. And I just listen. And you know when people are hurting, you know what they want more than words? They want to know that you're there. They want to know that you care. Do you know that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? They don't don't care if you're a a theologian that knows everything about the Bible if 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 you don't care about them. Do you know when you go to correct somebody? You know, sometimes that has to happen, right? You got to correct somebody. Do you know correction comes better from a friend? Correction never goes well from an enemy. Somebody you don't respect, somebody you don't care for, comes over and tells you you're wrong, stirs us up, doesn't it? We get on the defensive. Or we just walk away, water off a duck's back. But if somebody that cares about you, somebody that you know that is there for you, there are some people that if came up to me and told me, Preacher, I just, I just can't stand you. I, I, I used to like you, but I don't like you anymore. I can't, you know, you've done this, and you've done this, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and it's from somebody I don't respect, water off a duck's back. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm just using this as an example, there are plenty of people who are like this, but if Miss Bragg came up to me, see, let me tell you something, I've noticed some character flaws. I'd be like, um, what'd I do? Right? Isn't it a different reaction? When you know somebody cares about you, it's a different reaction. And God brings those people in our lives to change us and to help us. Learn your lessons. Don't be so prideful. Humble yourself before the Lord your God. And learn those lessons so that you can grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's not in heaven waiting to punish you. It's not the God we serve. You know what God's in heaven waiting to do? Bless you. 
That's what he wants to do. Well, I tell you right now, preacher, it's been a while since I got a check. I'm not talking about blessing. It's quit the prosperity junk. Rich people, why do you think, you think all rich people are blessed? Are you kidding me? You know, you know I got to rule the statistical data, but I guarantee you over 50% of rich people are miserable. Miserable people. Riches don't make you happy. Blessing. Blessing is what brings joy. And God's blessing, that's what he wants upon your life. I heard, it, heard this one time, I don't know if it was in a song or a preacher or whatever it was, but uh, it kind of gave the idea, and I don't know that it's, you know, completely, you know, biblically accurate, but it's an interesting thought. And then we die and we go to heaven, and we go by and we see the mansions, and we see the pearly gates, and we see the streets of gold, and we see the, the crystal sea, and I, 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 listen to me. To look and see the majesty of God's creation blows me away. To see an eagle soar, to see a rainbow in the sky, to see the sunset go over an ocean, I mean, to see those things, to be out in the middle of the, I, I remember as an unsaved person, being out in the middle of the ocean and, and, and being on watch and being at the bow of the ship and, and watching dolphins just jumping up, watching whales come up out of the water, watching the one time that we saw the aurora borealis, the northern lights. You just think to yourself, as an unsaved person, I thought to myself, there's got to be a creator. These things don't just happen. And you see all these things. Listen to we can only imagine what heaven's going to be like. As we see all these things, and they talk about it. I don't remember if it's in a story or if it's in a song. But, and you're walking through heaven, and you go by, and you see all these uh, 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 buildings, and you come to this building, and you say, what's that building there? And they go over, and the angel that's got, oh, it's always an angel. But anyways, the angel uh, uh, is, that's touring you around heaven, and he goes around, and he opens the door, and, and it's, and the entire building's full. So what's this? Why is this building full? Because it's all the blessings that God wanted to bless you with. But you, re- you refuse to receive them. You refuse to. And I know, biblically, it's not a building full of blessings. I get that. But you get the spiritual aspect of that? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you more than he wants to punish you. Do you know that's why Jesus died upon the cross? That's why Jesus left the glories of heaven and came to this sin-sick world. Because he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His desire is to have a relationship with you. And he has brought scripture into your life. If you're saved, he's brought the spirit into your life. And he has brought saints, the people of God, into your life. And he's done it for a purpose. He's done it for a reason. Receive it and be it. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your love for us. And Lord, the blessings that you do shower upon us each and every day. We're so thankful for them. We're thankful for your scriptures, Lord. And help us to find comfort and help and hope in your word. We're so thankful for the spirit that lives inside of us that goes with us everywhere we go, guiding us into all truth. And we're so thankful for the saints of God. You have, through the years, placed people in our lives to be a comfort to us, to be a help to us, to be a lesson to us. And I pray that, Lord, you help us not only to receive it, but help us to be it. Be that person that you want to use to be a blessing to somebody else. The struggles, the problems, the frustrations, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the difficulties of life. Help us to take them, ball them up, and cast them upon you. We don't have to worry about them. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be bitter. We don't have to to struggle with unforgiveness. 
I pray that you'd help us to give all those things to you so that we might have the joy of the Lord because that is our strength. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your blessings. This week, as we go out into the world, as we go to our homes, to our families, to our communities, to our workplace, as school is fixing to start up, all the places that our feet trod, I pray, Lord, that you'd watch over us, protect us, and most importantly, use us for your honor and for your glory. We'll love you and thank you for all that you do for us. Dismiss us with your blessing. Bring us back this coming Wednesday night for our Bible study. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Real quick, uh, before you leave, a couple things. Uh, Miss Gwen called, said pray. She'll be getting on the road tomorrow, driving to Tennessee. It's about a 12-hour trip. Pray for her if you would. As she goes to Tennessee, she'll get up Wednesday, and then she'll be home. So if you would, remember her to Lord in prayer. And then don't forget the supplies uh, that we're going to be doing for... um, uh, Springfield Elementary, uh, if you could do, there are going to be inserts in the bulletins. If you can help with that, there's a bucket in the back uh, that you can place that in there. And then Wednesday, two things. One, nine o'clock in the morning, Scripture Assembly, if you can help with that. Seven o'clock, Wednesday night, it's our Bible study. We just got started uh, with the Trinity. Uh, so we're on God the Father, so I hope you can come back Wednesday night. God bless you. Good to see you.